Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning. Um, Today we'll be reading Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my inequity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in inequity and in sin, did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my inequities. Create me in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take you, your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltlessness, O God, O God of my salvation. And deliver my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Marissa. Let me pray for us as we engage God's word. Our Father in heaven, as we talk about the reality of sin, God, I ask that you will keep us from two extremes this morning. One extreme that minimalizes, covers over, ignores, and refuses to deal with the ways in which we struggle to live up to who you created us to be. God, I pray that we would avoid the other extreme as well, that we would sink so deeply in our shame, that we would become so inwardly focused in the ways in which we struggle that we would despair, that we would become cynical, that we would give up hope. And so this morning, by the power of your spirit, I ask that you meet with each of us, young and old Call us by the power of your spirit to not cover over our sin, but to not despair in the face of your grace, your amazing grace that has met us in Jesus Christ. Teach us, we pray, to repent. We ask this together. The people of God say, amen. 
There's a subscription service that you can Google. I'm not going to, for the sake of branding, I'm not going to drop it because I'm not here. I don't, you know, get anything from that. But, uh, you know, they invite experts to cut videos on a variety of things and then invite you to pay an annual fee. And then you get to watch these experts in their videos. And there's all sorts of range, right? So there's like wellness videos, there's sports videos, music videos, acting videos, where experts in those respective fields uh, have recorded and produced a video for you. You may be interested in learning about such things or getting better or improving to go and sit and watch. So let's say you want to get better at tennis. Serena Williams has cut a video that's like two hours long that if you go and watch, you can learn tennis from Serena Williams. Steve Martin did a class or a video on comedy. Let's say you reflect on your own lives and you think, I want to be funny. I'd like to be funnier than what I am. Steve Martin has a video for you that you can go and watch and you can learn from Steve Martin how to be funny. And so uh, whatever it is that you hope to learn from, you can go to someone who has expertise, experience, authority, and you can benefit from their wisdom. Now, here's the thing that they don't really tell you in the promotional videos for this service. They don't tell you that watching Serena Williams teach you some techniques and some classes on how to get better at tennis does not automatically transfer all of Serena Williams' talent to you. Uh, She got to where she is through a whole lot of effort. And so just by watching, you don't automatically get all of that stuff, but you can still learn. You can still connect to it because you're trying to grow in your love for tennis. And you can imagine the same for comedy. Well, as David writes Psalm 51, there's a bit of that dynamic playing out. He is, in a sense, reflecting from his own experience, and it is grievous experience. He's reflecting on the ways in which he has abused his own power and sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and the people of God and utterly failed in these connected moments in his call to be king. And in response to that, he is opening up from his experience what it looks like to fall down before God and repent. Psalm 51 functions as a master class for repentance for you and I today. And it's not because all of David's uh, actions transfer to us. It's not because we may have done things as grievous as David this morning. But it's because we're connected as human beings to the reality of living in God's world. And because if we're here this morning, just as we confessed corporately, none of us, we believe, is perfect. And so, while all of David's experiences don't translate to us, his example, his standard for what it looks like to repent to God, we can learn from it. It becomes a psalm of repentance, a song that we can sing some 2,000 years or 3,000 years later, that in the face of the reality of sin in our own lives, its existence and how we do business with that, and maybe most importantly, where and to who we turn in the face of our sin.
the knowledge of our own human condition, God's care for us in the face of it, and the pathway forward, not just for us individually, but as the people of God, that is all present in Psalm 51. And David leads us, even here and now, as a people, to know how to walk forward in the reality of sin, how to live lives of repentance and all that that involves. And so we're going to learn from David's master class on repentance this morning and do it in three points. Knowing God, knowing yourself, and knowing grace. So first, knowing God. In the 16th century, there was a theologian named John Calvin. And a big part of his job was to train pastors uh, in the face of persecution, that is actual uh, physical uh, punishment, uh, jail, uh, the loss of freedom and livelihood, he was trying to train them to know how to go out into the world and talk about who God is and about where we are and how we relate to one another. Uh, He was teaching people theology, but not just in the abstract or in some sort of classroom. He was preparing people to go and live in a world that didn't welcome them. And in his Institutes of Christian Religion, this was written in the 16th century, he opens up in the first chapter, and as he begins to start out training people to live in the world, to know how to live out their theology, he struggles with, where do I start? Do I start with the human condition and kind of where we find ourselves, or do I start with God and his character and work? So do I start with a human condition, kind of our starting point, or do I start with who God is and all that the Bible has revealed about him, which do I choose? And he kind of makes the case that uh, you can't really have one without the other, that these two things are connected. Eventually, just so you know, you can go read it later. It's long. It's like two volumes. But if you want to, it's worthwhile. Uh, He starts with God and his character. In Psalm 51, David is working out a bit of that tension. And in Psalm 51, in the Psalm of Repentance, it's as if he goes back and forth introducing elements to both. So he is talking about both who God is and knowing God, as well as recognizing who we are as just human beings. Women, men, children, uh, adults, parents, young, old, across the full spectrum, who we are. David starts in verse 1 with who God is. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. In this sharing of repentance, in this way in which he leads you and I forward, David starts with God's steadfast love, with his covenant faithfulness, with this uh, lead of calling out to God for mercy. It's an important positioning for us because it's communicating two things, two key things that I would love for you to walk away with this morning. One is that when it comes to our own sin, we ultimately have to do business with God himself. David is going to make that point as he unpacks who God is. And the second is that when we think about that process of doing business with our own sin, We are coming to God to do business with someone who's offering us mercy, with someone whose character involves steadfast love, loving kindness, faithfulness in the face of sin, with someone who we can approach and cry out to. 
in verse 4, he says, Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Again, this idea that it is ultimately before God that we have to do business with our sin. In verse 6, he says that you delight in truth in the inward being and that you teach wisdom. So he's turning to the source of who can guide us forward in the face of our sin. In verse 7, he pleads for purity, both internal and external. Purge me with hyssop. That would have been an Old Testament tool to uh, work out in ceremonies how to cleanse something, how to take something unclean and make it clean. And so you don't have to know what hyssop is to understand in verse 7 what the psalmist is doing is calling to God as the source of who brings uh, cleanliness to you and I when it comes to sin. So he calls out to God, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. In verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The call here for the psalmist in the face of his sin is God. To know God's covenant promises to his people. The idea that God created the world, that God continues to connect to the world, and that God cares about you and I. In the face of our sin, we can be tempted to think that God's so angry with us that we don't have any avenue to approach him. The psalmist is modeling, saying the beginning call to God is to be reminded that he is the one who can not only make us clean, but has offered to do it. The God who not only created us, but is also actively redeeming us. The God who not only shows us the straight path, but when we vary from it, offers to come and walk alongside us. We can have a temptation, I think, to bargain with God. We could be tempted to think that we can clean ourselves up and get ourselves to the point in our lives where we can be ready to come to God. And the psalmist is kind of setting that aside and saying, you can never make yourselves good enough or clean enough to be acceptable for God. Part of what you have to know about God is that he is perfect and he is holy and we are not. And so our approach to him, we can't make ourselves perfect. It is going to involve a turning in faith and a crying for grace. And so here in Psalm 51, David's unpacking for us just who it is that we call out to, who this God is that we can turn to in the face of our sin. Now, he teaches us not just to know God, but to also know ourselves. And so as he unpacks the psalm, you can hear him calling for God to help, but dealing with some of the business of his own life. And it starts in verse 1, the second half of it, so kind of 1b. When he calls out to God to his steadfast love and his mercy, he asks him kind of three imperatives. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It is three different words for effectively the same stuff. The ways in which I'm not right with God. Transgressions, inequity, sin. 
David's just getting at the reality. It's not that those are three separate categories. It's effectively three angles or avenues to do business with the reality that uh, our lives left to ourselves are not right with God. He says in verse 3, I know that my transgression and my sin is ever before me. If he reflects and looks deep enough, David's saying, he knows. Deep down, he knows. Later, he alludes to the secret places and kind of deep in his heart. And what's happening there is a bit fascinating. He is getting at this reality that it's not a new thing to mask the ways in which we struggle. I think here in the 21st century in our area, we can become very adept at figuring out how to hide the ways in which we struggle. And that's not new. That's not some modern phenomenon. Technology didn't introduce that reality. David's saying, oh yeah, I can hide it. I may even be able to hide it from other people, but I can't ultimately hide it from you, God. And so when I reflect on it deep enough, it's there, and I know that it's there. One of the dangers of how technology intersects in our lives, and uh, Alan Noble uh, has made this point in a number of his books, is that we can know when we stop and reflect that we struggle with sin. And one unhealthy response to that is to just never think about it, to put uh, earbuds in our ears and put music on, or to throw another YouTube video up and then just follow wherever the algorithm leads us. We can use technology to just constantly distract us so that we're never alone or we never have to reflect on just who we really are. And that may work for a season. but There may be a time where you get to a spot where your battery goes dead. Or where the Wi-Fi doesn't work. Or, heaven forbid, where uh, your phone is unavailable and you are forced to reflect on just who am I and what do I really struggle with. The psalmist is calling to you to say you don't have to be afraid of that. That part of knowing who you are in the depths of your struggle is a part of the reality of repentance. That is, it is actually part of the process forward from a Christian perspective. In verse 5, the psalmist continues and says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Imagine if you were traveling for a few hours in the right direction, and then all of the sudden you took the wrong exit, or you took a wrong turn, and you know you're not where you're supposed to be, but you're generally, you've headed the right way. And she say, man, something there just right at the end, it went wrong. Uh, so maybe I can just backtrack a little bit and figure out where did I make just that last right turn and then I can get to where I'm going. How did I end up in this random neighborhood? Things were fine and they were fine for a long time and then all of a sudden they weren't. We, in a superficial and shallow way, can think of sin in that way. We can think of sin as something in our lives where we had generally been heading the right direction, and then all of a sudden we took a wrong turn, and we ended up in the neighborhood of deep rage. And we're really angry, and we said, man, what happened there? Everything was great. I was totally fine, and then all of a sudden I ended up in the neighborhood of rage. Or I took the wrong exit of greed. And uh, I was headed the right way, and then all of a sudden, I just kind of started to want all these things in my life, and so I just have to figure out how do I backtrack. 
What David is saying in verse 5 is that the reality of sin is not just some recent bad turn down the wrong road. It's something that is so deeply rooted in our lives that it goes all the way back to our birth. He's saying that we are so deeply entangled with the reality of sin. We haven't just made one recent wrong turn. That's too shallow to think of sin in that way. But rather, it runs much deeper than we recognize. So our need for grace runs much deeper than we often appreciate. The danger of that shallow view is you think, oh, I just have to do this one quick fix and I'll be right where I need to go. But if the problem of sin is that deep, all the more need for God's grace to meet us there. And that's where David goes in the psalm. So knowing God, knowing yourself and how deep the reality of sin is, then knowing grace. The foundation of repentance in Psalm 51 and really in all of Scripture is God's grace to us, his covenant relationship to us, something that we are invited into through faith. And interestingly, in this psalm, much of the psalm is about David's life and kind of this seeming uh, repentance from this individual set of moments. But there's a bit of a switch in verse 16, and if you read the psalm later, you can see this switch as he goes 1 through 15, and then he hits 16, and then he starts going down this road to talk about sacrifice. He introduces almost this new topic that wasn't as quite present there. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. David recognized who God was and what he required. He recognized the depths of his own sin. And in verse 16, he's doing business with the reality that he can't just offer some sort of sacrifice or make some quick relational repair and then be okay with God. That he would need to know God's grace and he would need to know it deeply. If he were to have a joyful spirit, if he would have a restoration of his crushed bones as he puts it in the face of his sin, that that would require God's work by the power of his spirit in David's life. God shining his face upon David in new ways. And that's what he's asking for in repentance. Not only that he would know who God is and his character, and not only that David would know the depths of his own sin, but the reality of repentance is a turning to God in faith for God's grace to us. That's what would lead David, he says, to a joyful worship. There's a car wash uh, right off Georgia Avenue just inside the Beltway. And if you've ever gone on a Friday or Saturday south on Georgia, you've experienced a backup in traffic because how busy that car wash is. And if you've ever waited in line to get your car wash there, when you pull up to the vacuum station, the guy comes to your window and he says, what kind of wash do you want? And he has this placard, this like laminated sheet. And it has three options on it. You can get a regular wash, you can get a special wash, or you can get an ultimate wash. 
And each one has a few add-ons, and of course, the price goes up. So a regular watch, that's the cheapest. And then as you go up, you get a few more add-ons, a few more dollars, and you can get a special watch, and then a few more dollars, a few more add-ons, you get the ultimate watch. Now, if you pulled up to the vacuum station, and he says, what kind of watch do you want? And you said, I want the kind of watch that is going to get my car spotless, both inside and out, not one speck of dirt on it. The guy would probably look at his placard and then look at you and give you kind of that sideways look. We don't have that kind of wash here. You have a regular wash, you have a special wash, you have an ultimate wash. We don't have some sort of wash that gets your whole car both inside and out. It's like, look, we're going to vacuum for it, but this isn't a detailing station, right? Uh, and so you get that kind of look that the levels that they have won't quite meet what you're asking for. That's not an option you can choose. You can ask but they don't offer. Psalm 51 as a model for repentance is leading us this direction to know who God is and to know ourselves and to understand that our need for grace goes beyond what we can ask for with our standard religious or behavioral change options. So that when it comes to sin internally and externally in our own lives, we can't just do the regular wash for our souls of like coming to church a few times and then that gets it. It won't complete it. We can't do the ultimate wash in our lives where we do a little bit of behavioral therapy and, and change a few patterns of behavior. And we say, oh, okay, I'm good now, right? That doesn't ultimately lead to repentance or restoration before God. We can't even pay a few more dollars and get the ultimate wash for our lives, go to counseling, fully participate, and say, okay, so I've done it myself. Psalm 51 is designed to lead us to the point where we say, well, what can I do? Which option can I have that leads to the full cleaning, both inside and out of my life when it comes to sin? David's tilting his head and looking at you a bit sideways and saying that only comes from God's grace. So that when you pull up in dealing business with your own faith and you say, I want the wash, the eternal wash that does full business both inside and out with the reality of sin in my life, you are looking for the wash of repentance. And David is pointing you to the reality that it only comes through Jesus Christ. The eternal wash for you, friends, no matter whether you have grown up in the church your whole life or whether this is your first Sunday here, can only be found in Jesus and in his work and turning in faith to him. So David is leading you to the point, and this is what I want you to take away with, that when you quiet down and do business with the reality of your sin, and you begin to, begin to get overwhelmed by the reality of just how bad things are in both what you have done and what you are doing, and you begin to reach for your spiritual wallet to say, how can I pay for this? What grace means to you in repentance is Jesus showing up and saying, I got this. You can't afford the price. It's Jesus showing up and meeting you there the minute you reach for your wallet and saying, let me put my arm around you. Join me in faith. And I got this one. You can't afford it. 
That's what grace means to you and I. That's the offer to the gospel. And when you come into contact with that, when you do business with how much you really need grace and how holy God really is, and you begin to have this oh snap moment, what am I going to do and begin to reach for your wallet, this is what leads you to sing songs of joy. This is what uh, brings you up out of the depths. This is what gives you hope to go through today and tomorrow and the next. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The pouring out of his spirit into your life. The one who comes and says, I give you the eternal wash, both now and forever, that you could never afford, but I've paid the price for you. So that now, as you move forward, you not only move forward joyfully because of the eternal wash that we have in Jesus, but that you move forward trying to keep things clean because you recognize what he's done. And that's what the Christian life of repentance looks like. So that we do serious business with who God is and his full holiness and his character and his demands for cleanliness from us. That we do serious business with the reality of our own struggles. That the sin in our lives is not just some new thing that just popped up, but it's in reality something that we have struggled with and is deeply entangled with our human condition, this side of Adam and Eve. And that we know the depths of God's good and amazing grace for you. That in that moment where you say, I don't know where I would turn, Jesus shows up and invites you here and now to turn to him, to be united together with him, and to walk forward with the full spiritual cleaning that can only come in Christ and Christ alone. That's the life of Christian repentance. Let me pray. God, I ask that as we come from different spots in life, and we may have different experiences with the reality both of the depths of our own sin, but also the guilt or shame that may come with it. In those moments, I ask, God, that you will give us ears to see, or ears to hear, I should say, and eyes to see the goodness and depth of your amazing grace to us, and just what that means in our lives that we can be lifted up, that we can actually sing with joy again, not because we have everything together, but because we have the eternal cleaning that only comes from you, Jesus. We pray these things now in your name. Amen.